Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. Haven't done this in a while, but per request from my guest, well, not my guest, my co-host tonight, um, Mr. Wednesday Night Live, we call him Alo. the ladies call him Balo, Aaron Lloyd. Uh, we thought, since we talk a lot about the NBA on the show, we might as well do a preview episode of this NBA season. So, Alo. Welcome yeah. for the first time to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. <laughs> welcome yourself to the first time to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. Everybody welcome to the, to the Matt Madness Basketball Podcast. Um, so 2017-18, very interesting season uh, without a very interesting story leading to the finals. The two teams everybody expected ended up there at the end. The team everybody expected to win got the championship, um, crazy offseason as it seems to always be in the NBA now, whoever is writing the NBA offseason, WWE <laughs> should look into hiring, um, and like the first thing I'll ask you, because obviously on the Matt Madness wrestling podcast, I've been inviting LeBron James for upwards of two years to come onto the show, we've never been able to get him as a guest. I was championing him coming to my Philadelphia 76ers. Um, I still believe that the Sixers deserved him. I think if Sam Hinkie was still here, he would have came here. Uh, but he didn't. He went to your Los Angeles Lakers. So tell me how you feel about it. How does it feel to be a Lakers fan with LeBron James right now? Well, one, I can actually play the, use the Lakers in NBA 2K <laughs> and actually win games. Okay. That, that's, that's, that's number one. Because once he signed, I put him on the Lakers, and I sent everybody I know a picture of it. And I didn't lose a game for the longest time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm happy about that. And then I'm actually – Lakers have missed the playoffs the last five years. And um, watching them sometimes is hard because I always refer to them as the baby Lakers. Like, you know, when they win, they win. But when they lose, they really lose. It took a while for them to actually get things going. And then Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka come in. Or, um, God, what's, what's the guy Rob Palinka looks like? I forget. Rob Lowe. <laughs> 80s heartthrob, so Magic, Rob Lowe. Yes. Yeah, so Magic and Rob Lowe slash Rob Palinka come in. And ever since then, it's been in, it's been in Magic and Rob Palinka we trust. I don't think they've made a bad move since they've come. They've drafted well. That goes that even goes back. I mean, look, look at the guy they drafted in the summer league when it comes to Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart. Uh, Brandon Ingram, even though they were he wasn't a draft pick of that from by Magic. Look at Brandon Ingram. You look at Josh Hart, uh, Kyle Kuzma, which was a steal, which was a steal of the draft last season. And then the guys he got this this summer, um, Mo Wagner, and I can't pronounce his last. I'm gonna butcher it. Savi Machiliki or something like oh, that. I, I always butcher his last name. Mikhailuk, yeah. <laughs> he had an amazing summer league. The Lakers went to the finals for the second consecutive year but they came up short this season in the summer league and Savi he had an outstanding summer league along with Josh Hart so when it comes to being a Laker fan right now I'm excited I'll get to those guys a little bit later when we break down the upcoming season but as as a Laker fan I'm very excited yeah so the the thing I felt like as a LeBron fan and a Sixers fan I was like a little bit torn I I wanted him to come here because I felt like it would be the biggest you know, stone cold salute to everyone who trashed the process. If it ended with LeBron James coming here to join the guys that the process created, like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, um, Dario Saric, all those guys, Robert Covington. Um, I was torn a little bit because I felt like, uh, I don't know if he's going to be real patient with these guys. And he, he could like mess up a good thing that they have going without him. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I felt like, yo, if you ever get a chance to get the best player in the world, you take it. You don't say no. And I really thought he might look at this as, I'll never match Jordan for some people because they can just always point to he was 6-0 and in the finals and he could never do that. I thought if he could build a new dynasty with these two young guys, I thought that might be the narrative that he wanted. Um, and... I wasn't surprised he went to the Lakers, but I like I wonder like do they have enough to actually compete for a championship? 
And I know right now they don't. Obviously, like Brandon Ingram, too young. Uh, Lonzo Ball, too young. Like Josh Hart, too young. Rajon Rondo, probably a little too old, although he had a good year last year. I, I, I don't know if he put himself in the best position to win a championship, although in two years we may be singing a different song. Do you expect the LeBron era to produce a championship in the next four years? Yes, at least at least one. I do because don't um, you may he, not want to go down that road because we've seen LeBron before say not one, not two. <laughs> I, I'm gonna say I'm saying at least one because this season I don't ex, I, I don't expect him to win a championship. But this the way I see it, I don't I don't I have the Lakers this season. I don't have them losing to anybody for the Warriors in the playoffs because nobody else in the West fears me. I'll pick LeBron over them over any team. I'll pick the Lakers and LeBron over any team in the Western Conference, except for the Golden State. Now it's going to depend on seeding, but I have the Lakers. The Lakers I have the Lakers possibly going to the Western Conference Finals. And when we break down our playoff stand, our playoff standings, you'll see where I have well, where I have. But you you do believe in his four years they will win a championship? Yeah, somebody is set up. They have a max slot for next summer as well, and a lot of the guys that they have brought in this, this summer, they might want to resign. And anytime you have LeBron James on that team, and then if they do bring in a max salary free agent, then that uh, more more players are to follow. Like when LeBron that day, LeBron signed the same day. They got Rondo, they got Stevens, and then McGee signed. And the, I believe KCP agreed to the same day. So players will be players will soon follow soon. Yeah, I uh, obviously I would love to see LeBron. Have been saying for a while, I would love to see LeBron get another one or two, just to kind of shut people up. Uh, but as you know, the, like, I look at the Lakers as one of the, uh, like (laughs) evil empires in sports. And I I really think the only way I could truly wholeheartedly root for LeBron is if they were playing the Celtics in the finals. And I'd probably bust out my purple and gold (laughs) if they're playing the Celtics in the finals. Um, but like LeBron obviously being the biggest story this NBA offseason and this upcoming season, like what what to you is the biggest story leading into the season other than LeBron James? Uh, there's not much because LeBron's story kind of took up the whole summer because he went to the Glamour franchise or the Evil Empire, as you call the LA Lakers. So, <laughs> so that, that automatically took all the headlines. The next biggest headline I could probably think of is Kawhi Leonard going to Toronto because that was one of the most bizarre situations you could ever think of. I'm, I don't know if you've been watching the Raptors in preseason, but he seems fine. I don't know if you've seen the highlights or anything. He seems fine. He, he looks better than ever. He put on some weight, put on some muscle. He looks great. He looks, he looks really great. So I think that's probably the biggest thing because LeBron owned this whole – LeBron and the Lakers owned this entire offseason. Yeah. So, like, I, I wrote down two things just in case you had that one. That was my – Second top story. The other the other one I'll go with, though, also involving the Toronto Raptors. Firing Coach of the Year, Dwayne Casey. And <laughs> to me, one, it's crazy to fire a guy who won Coach of the Year, who literally his biggest flaw was that he couldn't beat LeBron James in the playoffs. And other than the Warriors, <laughs> nobody else could beat him. Yeah. And for me, one, I'm glad Dwayne Casey landed on his feet and found another job really quick. But it, Detroit, me, right? Yes. And to me, that okay. also validates what Sam Hinkie did in the process era because, like, in his mind, he knew we're never going to compete, like, right now. We can't, we can't beat this guy. Nobody can. So let's build up for, like, when he's not dominating anymore. And you saw that. The Raptors were a great team. He's a great coach. And he lost his job, and the team kind of got broken up because they couldn't beat LeBron. So... To me, that that's another huge story, and we'll see how that affects the Raptors this season. Like we said, the, the team has changed and the coach has changed, so a little bit of turnover for the Raptors, who I believe were they the top seed? They were the top seed nope. last year. Yep. They were number one, but they weren't. Were they number they one the year before seed. that too? Uh, I don't. No, Boston was. Okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Um. So yeah, Kawhi Leonard. In Toronto, Dwayne Casey out of Toronto. It'll be interesting to see what those two guys do in the 2018-19 season. And I felt bad for Casey because when it comes to facing LeBron James, it, I can't blame him for that. It's 
LeBron was basically DeMar DeRozan's kryptonite, you know, and it's but so much she could do. I, I believe Toronto had Cleveland on the ropes in game one, but they lost the lead there. And that kind of broke their spirit. But then when you go to game three in Cleveland, when LeBron has that, that buzzer beater, that really broke their spirit. And DeMar DeRozan, you can't seem to get by LeBron James. And the funny part is when Le- LeBron leaves to L.A., and the the Rosen thinks that they have a chance because LeBron's gone, but he gets shipped to San Antonio. Right, so, right. Now, so now he has to deal with LeBron James out west. Right, and you you would almost think that that would give them a reason to keep that team together just to see is it because we couldn't get past LeBron or are we just not good enough to win at all, and we'll we'll never know. Um, so yeah, the thing is, I don't I don't really blame Toronto for doing that move because. But LeBron being going, the East is kind of – it's not wide open because it's basically a three-team race. But the, but, but, but the whole point of it's, – it's, it's rough in the East because it seems like the, the main goal for everybody in the East is to win the Eastern Conference title. But when you get to the finals, you're, presuming, you're assuming you're going to face Golden State and you're just going to lose. Yeah. So it's like everybody's just going for the Eastern Conference crown, and that's good enough for them. All right. You know? <laughs> um. So one of the things I kind of wanted to do before we really get into it, like I assume it's not going to be the same 16 teams in the postseason this year. So just kind of want to go over each conference. Who do we think is most likely to drop out of the playoffs that was in the playoffs last year? And then also who's most likely to get in the playoffs this year that didn't make it last year? So do you want to pick your team most likely to drop out of the playoffs this season? From the West? From the East. I think there's oh, one the, obvious one. <laughs> from the, Oh, yeah, of course, it's the Cleveland Cavaliers. I have the same teams that made the playoffs last year, except for Cleveland. I, I think Detroit slides in and takes that final spot. And, oh. I, and if you want to go out West, mm-hmm. I have Minnesota dropping out because of the whole Jimmy Butler situation. Because <clears throat> you have to assume that he'll be gone. And the fact that Minnesota, they couldn't win games with him because they almost missed the playoffs. It came down to the last game of the season against Denver. They ended up beating Denver. But even with the whole season, I believe it was like a game or two game difference between fourth and eighth. So they easily could have missed the playoffs. Oh, yeah. It it was a tightrope between like, yeah, three or four all the way down to like nine or ten. It was Mm -hmm. like a couple games separating that many teams. Um, So for me, I don't want to just say the same teams you did, although Cleveland was my number one team in the East. And the Wolves were my number one team in the West. But I'm going to go with the Washington Wizards as possibly falling out of the playoffs. I'm not necessarily saying they're definitely going to fall out of the playoffs, but I think like Bradley Beal has had injuries in the past. I think that John Wall has had some issues yeah. with health. I don't know if that team really likes each other all that much. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't believe like... John Wall and Bradley Beal like each other. No. I, I think they hate each other. And you think two, three years ago, those guys probably assumed they were about to be like in the mix for the Eastern Conference Finals, like for the next decade, and they've never really gotten there. Now Dwight Howard comes in there, and that's not really going to be any help. So (laughs) I think that's a team that could just combust. And like, I wouldn't be surprised if like Sixers fans who think they need a third star, I wouldn't be shocked if that could end up being a trade involving Bradley Beal, because I don't know if that guy's going to end up staying there. They may need to just break it up because I think there's danger of that falling apart this year. Um, and out West, like I said, I had the Wolves as my number one most likely team to drop out. But I'm going to go with the Spurs. This is... Really? Yeah, I think... So the no Kawhi. Now, obviously, having DeRozan this year is a help from them not having Kawhi last year. But I think, like, DeJounte Murray got hurt. Their rookie, Lonnie Walker, is hurt and going to be out for a while. And it's their veterans like Manu and Tony Parker are gone. And I just don't know. I'm not a huge LaMarcus Aldridge guy. I just feel like they're kind of old. And I don't know (laughs) if they're, like, built for today's NBA, like where spacing and three-point shooting is at a premium. I don't know if they have enough of it. And I think the West is so competitive that they could fall out, and then one injury to one of their key guys could derail their entire season. And I think uh, there's just something weird about Kawhi not wanting to be there 
Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I love Popovich, and I love the way that organization is run. Like, I've used them as an example of how to run an organization, but I think this year it could put an end to their, I believe, 20-year playoff streak. Oh, I like them way more than you do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, look, there's a chance they could be good. There's a chance they could be like a 48-49 win team. Oh. But I think there's a chance they win 44 games and just miss the playoffs. Um, but again, I, I do agree with you. I think the Wolves are the most likely to fall out. Um, now, you said your team most likely to get in in the East. Do you think the Pistons? Yeah, because that eighth spot, because when it, when it comes to Cleveland coming out, now I don't think Cleveland's going to be terrible because I, really like, I really like Colin Sexton. He's like my dark horse for rookie of the year. I really like 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 him. They kept a lot of players that they had last season that got trade in that midseason trade with the Lakers. They still have those guys at Clarkson. They have Hood and um, Larry Nance Jr. They still have them. Zizich is getting beginning playing time, so I don't think they'll be as terrible as people think. When I looked at the bottom of it, the bottom of the East, uh, Brooklyn, the Knicks, Orlando, uh, the Hornets. I was just, I didn't think they did anything special. You know, Porzingis is going to miss the start of the season. So I don't expect much from the Knicks. You know what you you, you don't you never really know what you're getting from Charlotte. You know what you're getting from Kemba Walker, but you don't you never know what you're getting out of the rest of that team. And the Pistons, they were just the best team in that bunch that that was outside of the playoffs last year. And maybe Brooklyn, I don't expect much either, but Brooklyn does play real hard. So they might be a dark horse too, but I think Detroit slides in. Yeah. Again, but, that would have been they, but they need a Oh, go ahead. But they need a help. They need a healthy Reggie Jackson because he can't. He can't seem to stay on the floor. But they need a healthy Reggie Jackson to get there. Yeah. So Detroit was my top team to get in that didn't last year. One because they don't have Stan Van Gundy anymore, uh, which I think is always good when you can lose a Van Gundy on the bench. <laughs> um, I think that in this Eastern Conference, I think just having Blake and Andre Drummond may be enough on its own for them to get in, but. In in spirit of not just both of us picking the same team, the next most likely team is the Charlotte Hornets, and that's mostly just because they have a legitimate all-star scorer in Kemba Walker. I expect the Pistons to be better than them, but if it's not the Pistons, I think it's the Hornets. Um, and what about out west? I think I know who you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had, the Lakers, I had the Lakers in Denver get it in this season. Because I have I have the Lakers finishing third. Because I think but I think I think between three, four, and five, I think you'll see the Lakers, Spurs, and Jazz battle for that. And I have Denver taking in because Denver forty five and thirty. I believe they were forty five and thirty seven last year. Missed the playoffs in the final game of the season. Jamal Murray is critically underrated. I remember um, when he got drafted. Kyle Parry was bragging about him um, during the dra- during the draft and how he he would be the rookie of the year. But Denver, they always seem to fall under the radar. They're kind of building the same kind of team they had, um, I believe, in 2012 when they had Andre Iguodala, the team that Masai Ujiri put together that, that was that won 56 games. Oh, they fired their coach of the year, too, Jerry <laughs> Carl that season. And they, they basically had like a 10, 12-man team, and they ran you out the building. They kind of built, I think they have a similar team to that now with Will, Will Barron, uh, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, they also have Isaiah Thomas come off the bench to see what he adds to the team. But that's a really deep – That's one. Of, I think that's one of the top three deepest teams in the league. And, of course, the Lakers because of Mr. James and the <laughs> veterans they added to the roster. Yeah, so for me out west, I have the same two teams. I have the Nuggets and the Lakers as the most likely to jump in. I believe both of them do get in. Unlike the west, I think only one gets in. I believe both of these – or unlike the East, I believe only one gets in. I think in the West, both of these teams make it into the, the playoffs. I just think both teams have a little too much talent to not get in. And as close as that playoff race was last year, I don't necessarily think... Like the Wolves, if they don't have Jimmy Butler, like that team's below average. Like they don't play yeah, any defense. He- yeah, and you could tell the way Jeremy Butler's talked about them. You can see how they played when they, when, he, when he went out after, before the I think it was before or after the All Star break. That team was a top three seed in the West, I believe. And they dropped they dropped almost out the playoff picture for a second, and then they just they, they just made the playoffs 
playoffs at the, at the last day of the season. So it, Jimmy Butler's criticism, criticism was Andrew Wiggins, he just he doesn't have heart. Wiggins just um, cat just plays for his numbers. And you can kind of tell that stuff sometimes, especially with the, from last year. Yeah, like so statistically, the, the Wolves with Jimmy Butler on the court were 10 points better than their opponent per 48 minutes. Without Jimmy Butler on the court, they were negative. So they were like the equivalent of like a 60-win team with Jimmy Butler on the court, and they were the equivalent of like an under 500 team with Jimmy Butler off the court. So if they lose Jimmy Butler... Yeah, that's Butler, what they've always been. Yeah, like Carl Anthony Towns, great offensive player, uh, great young player. Andrew Wiggins, like flashy athleticism, but they're not two guys that are going to lead you to championship contention. And I think this year the two of them will not lead you even to the playoffs. So I think for sure they missed the playoffs this year. And I would not, I'm trying to think of who else. Oh, the Spurs I think are in danger of not making it. Um, So do you want to give your one through eight in the East? Yeah, I'll give my one through eight. All right, so number one, I have Toronto as the number number one seed. I have Boston at two, Philly three, Indy four, Malcolm Brogdon and the Milwaukee Bucks at five. (laughs) Had to do it. Miami Heat at six. Yeah, Miami at six, Washington seven, and I have Detroit at the eighth seed. Uh, So we have a few things flip-flopped, and I think our last four are identical. Um, So I have Boston number one. And I thought about putting Toronto at number one, but I think like Boston has the kind of the cohesiveness of bringing everybody back from last year. I know they got to work Gordon Hayward in and like, you know, Kyrie was out at the end of the season in the playoffs, but Kyrie has played with these guys. Gordon Hayward was at least with the team last year. They have the same coach who runs like a very efficient system. And I think that, like having that little turnover, I think is going to help Boston a lot, especially in the early part of the season. And I think Toronto may struggle a little bit to kind of with the new coach trying to fit all the new pieces together. I think they're still going to be good, but I think that what may separate these two teams at the end of the season is going to be like the first 15 or 20 games where Boston shouldn't miss a beat and Toronto may struggle to find their footing a little bit. So I have Boston one and Toronto two. And in what may be a little bit of a surprise, you said you see a three-team race in the East. I think there's a chance there may be a four-team race in the East. And my number three is Indiana. And that's partially – I have the Sixers four. So let me explain why I have my – Oh, really? Yes. Let me explain why I have my favorite team, the Sixers, a slot lower than you. I'm a little bit concerned with – the announcement Brett Brown made either yesterday or today that Markel Fultz is going to start because I think he's not ready for it. And their five-man starting unit last year with Embiid, Simmons, Redick, Dario, and Covington was statistically the best five-man unit in the NBA last year. And they So who's coming out the lineup? Is Dario or JJ? Redick. So Fultz is starting in place of Redick. So it's like one of the reasons why that lineup was so good was having floor spacing between Dario, Covington, and of course Redick being like an elite three-point shooter. You put Fultz out there, who we're not even sure if he's committed to even shooting threes. Ben, who we know is not going to shoot a three. Embiid, who is like a very inconsistent three-point shooter. I'm concerned about the lack of spacing they're going to have in that five-man unit. And last year, it was almost like clockwork when J.J. would be the first guy to go to the bench, whether it was Marco Bellinelli coming in or, you know, Bayless at some points or whoever. J.J. would always go to the bench, and the Sixers almost always had, like, a five-plus point lead after the first five minutes, oftentimes more than that. And I'm a little worried now that they're not going to be getting out to the kind of starts they did last year now Brett Brown did say he's going to have Reddick start the second half of games but I just don't like when you have something that successful and you want to break it up and also Indiana really impressed me they beat the Sixers twice last year I think they're a tough team they're a scrappy team and they took Cleveland with LeBron like to the brink in the first round last year 
And Victor Oladipo, the leap he made last year from like a guy who everybody thought was, eh, he was okay. He might have been a bust uh, where he was picked, but he took a leap to being he was like number two, right? Number two pick, yeah. yeah. And like a lot of people thought he didn't live up to what they expected of him. And then he makes the leap last year to being arguably one of the top 15 or 20 guys in the league and maybe still getting better. I know as soon as that series ended last year, he talked about he's ready to get better for next year. And that team really impressed me. He he specifically really impressed me. And if Miles Turner ever makes a leap, they're going to be really dangerous. Um, and I think that the, another thing that a lot of Sixers fans maybe don't take into account, they did win 52 games last year, but that was with a 16-game winning streak to end the season. And yeah. you, you can't bank on on that. Like, they were a 36-30 and 30 yeah. team. They, I, I figured they were going to wind up winning like 46, 47 games. They may win 50 again this year. They may win 52. They could even win more than that if Embiid stays healthy and if they get a lot more from Fultz than I'm expecting. But I have those two teams flipped, and I think Indiana is like a dark horse to be kind of dangerous in the Eastern Conference. I think a lot of people are sleeping on them. Uh, I have the Bucks five. I think they're a weird team that's like they always should be a little better than they are, but they never really yeah. are what you think they are. I have the Heat six like you did. I have the Wizards seven like you did. And I have the Pistons eight. Um, now, so it's interesting. We have our one and two flipped. We have our three and four flipped. And then the exact same from five through eight. Now, I'm really yeah, curious. See, the thing with the Sixers. Uh-huh. Well, sorry, but the thing with They're the good. Sixers is the reason I I kept them at three because they added Wilson Chandler. Barring health, he's really good bar, if he's healthy. And they also get an acquisition. They get Markel Falls back for the entire season so you can actually, like, get him acc- acclimated into the system and actually see what you have. Because a big problem they had in the playoffs, playoffs last year was against Boston, nobody else can create their own shot. And Markel Fultz had a few DMPs. I don't think he played almost that entire series. So get him acclimated and actually get him get him going, and you can actually see what you actually have with him. And the Sixers might not. The Sixers may look less bad about that whole Jason Tatum thing. Yeah. Uh, so I'm glad you brought that up because I don't want to paint the picture like I think the Sixers are worse off or they're not competing to win the Eastern Conference because I think they are. I just have some question marks. But yeah, like so the the thing in Boston. Huge issue was they didn't have guys that could create their own shot. They didn't have enough guys that could even just handle the ball. Like you saw so many times guys getting pressured and yeah. didn't didn't know what to do once they got the ball. And then they had too many guys that couldn't defend. Like Marco Bellinelli, if he wasn't making six threes in a game, he was useless because he, he, was, getting, he was getting yeah. scored on every possession. Um, so... I do think they have a chance. Like, yeah, if Wilson Chandler can give them a a fairly healthy season and give them 65 games and be at relatively full strength in the playoffs, that gives them another guy that could hit a three and defend on the wing. Uh, Zaire Smith, I don't expect him to really contribute much offensively other than, like, dunks, really. But you get him out there, that's a guy who maybe could guard Kyrie or Terry Rozier. Um so I, I think, like, if the pieces all fall into place and if they're healthy and if Markel Fultz can actually produce for them, they have a chance to be, a top, like, maybe a top-two team in the East. And I think they, they have the potential to beat Boston in the playoffs because I still think Embiid and Ben are better than any two guys that Boston has. Um, yeah, but the thing with, in that series was Ben got exposed. I believe a couple – what, he had one point? A there couple, was one game, yeah. One game he had series. one point. Yeah, he had one point, and the fact that he couldn't—they they were kind of like daring him to shoot. So it, basically, he was rendered kind of useless at certain points. And plus, like you said, nobody else can handle the ball. Everybody was pressured. Pressure. JJ Redick was pressured, and then the, all those games were close for the most part. But also, you can look at Brett Brown's coaching. So he made some bad decisions. Um, the Sixers blew a lead in Philly, I believe, game three to go down three zero in in overtime, I believe. But so the they blew Sixers, a twenty-something the point. They blew like a twenty-one point lead in game two, yeah. and then they they had the game basically won in regulation, and a turnover cost them. And then that led to to Marco Bellinelli hitting that two in the corner that they were hoping was a three, 
And then they were winning in overtime, and they coughed mm-hmm. it up in overtime too. So yes, they blew yeah, leads okay. in game two and three. Yeah, so, yeah. So like the Sixers, they like they were had the Celtics on the ropes, but they couldn't finish. And then after they couldn't finish those games, Boston figured them out. And then that's I think that's, I believe that's the Ben Simmons one point game. I believe. I, I think it was, it was game, game. I believe it was back on the call. I think it was game two because I'm pretty sure like his next three games, he had like 16, 17 and 18 points in the next. He actually played was productive the next three games after that. But he had that one horrible game and or maybe it was game three. I don't really remember. But yeah, the one point game, I think, was bad. But, you know, he was he was a rookie. Um I don't know if his shooting is really going to be improved this year. We haven't seen any indications of that in the preseason. I do think with Markel Fultz being there, you'll see Ben play a little bit more off the ball, and maybe they they run some offense to get him the ball on the block so he's finishing around the basket more instead of having the ball outside. I don't know. It'll be an interesting series if they play again because it's it's easy to look at that. They lost in five and look like they just got swept aside by Boston but other than i honestly all the all the games were close like even that game 5 mm-hmm. they were winning in the late in the fourth quarter uh, we were watching it together and i told you with like 2 minutes left they were up one and i was like they're not going <laughs> to score again and they didn't um so it'll it'll be interesting the sixers players are a year older they have playoff experience now Embiid hopefully won't be wearing that god awful mask <laughs> so, and also you hope that they will get contributions from other guys they didn't last year. Um, but I do think the race for that, those top three seeds are probably locked. Even though I picked Indiana three, I think the Sixers have a great shot to end up in that spot. And I think those are definitely the top four teams in the East. Uh, now, what do you have one through eight for the West? Uh, I have Golden State at one, I have Houston two. Lakers three, San Antonio four, Utah five, Denver six, OKC seven, Portland eight. All right, so our Western predictions are a little more different. I do have Golden really? State. I do have Golden State and Houston one and two. I have Utah three. I have OKC four, which I'm regretting that a little bit now. Oh. Um, because I do think that that's a huge hit for them to not have Andre Roberson because he. He's like a huge part of their defensive identity, and even though he can't, he's basically worse on offense than I would be. Uh, I think his def- <laughs> his his contribution to their defense is so important. Uh, so I may regret putting them at number four. I have Denver five, the Lakers six, New Orleans seven, and the Blazers eight. Now. Hmm. Like I said, I'm I'm a little bit shaky on that OKC at number four, and maybe I even would bump the Nuggets and Lakers up. I just think the Nuggets, you mentioned Jamal Murray a few minutes ago, and I think he's like a very overlooked guy, and I think with him and Gary Harris, that's like two really good backcourt guys. Nikola Jokic, who is not really a defensive anchor as a center, which I think limits them defensively, but him being such a special offensive player makes them a a very special offensive team. I think getting Paul Millsap back and him being healthy for a whole year is going to make a huge difference for them. And I like, I think it's not even going to be a question. They're not going to be last game of the season playing to get into the playoffs. They're going to be playing the last game of the season, hoping for playoff positioning. Uh, And the Lakers, I think like the Lakers high, high, like watermark is, three I think their low mark is probably like squeaking it at eight so I just kind of divided the difference so here's here's my concerns about the Lakers like LeBron obviously is LeBron and a team he's on is not going to be bad at this point in his career um I think that there are guys that they may, may need contributions from that like Lonzo I like I don't know what to expect of him on offense I think it's like a little bit of a misjudgment of him. A lot of people I've heard say like, Oh, Lonzo needs the ball to be successful. Lonzo is always just trying to move the ball. Lonzo isn't dominating the ball. So I don't think it's not a fit that way, but I don't, I don't trust his shot yet. I think maybe it starts to fall. 
but I don't trust it enough yet, and I worry about it. Um, Brandon Ingram, who I love, I actually was a huge fan of him when he was before he got to Duke. I remember when that class was coming out uh, from high school to college. I actually liked Ingram more than I liked Ben because of Ingram's shooting and scoring ability, and I thought he had so much defensive potential. And then watching them play, I had them, like, real close. I think I had Ben just a little bit higher than Ingram because I thought Ben's upside is, like, maybe a top three player in the league. And I thought Ingram's upside was, like, not quite that high. But I think he's starting to tap into it. My concern with him is still always – is going to be that I worry about his, like, lack of bulk – like, I'm always going to be worried that he's going to be banged up all the time because he's so skinny. Um, well, he's been pretty healthy for the most part. Yeah, and, like, I, I, I may be proven wrong by the end of the season. I, like, I like the guy. I think he's a, a really interesting player, and I kind of hope I'm wrong. But, like, I love guys like Josh Hart. Like, I loved him at Villanova. I think he's kind of the perfect role player. He can do a little bit of everything. He doesn't hurt you in any way. Um I think it's going to be a little weird, though, with these young guys and then these kind of weird veterans they signed, like Rondo, JaVale <laughs> McGee. Who, uh, there was somebody else weird in there that I was like, what are they signing him for? Who Lance Stevenson. Yeah. I'm like, Lance Stevenson. I'm like, LeBron, don't be the Who GM I love. of this team. <laughs> <laughs> Who I love. Yeah, like, so I, I don't trust yet that these guys get it all figured out in one season, or maybe it takes them till the all-star break to be firing on all, all cylinders. So I think it'll drop them a little lower. The Pelicans, I just think Anthony Davis is too good for them not to make the playoffs. And I love the way Drew Holiday played last year. Um, I think he's another guy, like, he can knock down threes. He could run your offense a little bit. He could defend on the perimeter. I think he took a jump this past year. And I think they're just better without DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, always barring health with Drew. (laughs) You can never necessarily – Yeah, and they lost Rondo and they replaced him with Alfred Payton, who I'm not that big of a – yeah, and that's a little weird. That's like a homecoming for Alfred Payton. He played college at, I believe, Louisiana Lafayette. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, and Anthony Davis has had injury troubles too, but I just think they're a better team without having to worry about DeMarcus Cousins, and I think they still find a way into the playoffs. And the Blazers, I don't think they're ever going to be a real threat to anyone in the playoffs, but I think they're no. shooting and they're scoring. I think they have enough to, to find a way in. Yeah. And my my concern with the Lakers are, well, one thing one is three point shooting because they don't have quote unquote known three point shooters. Like I said, if they could find some top way to get to be on the floor, if Lonzo shot that actually develops because it went in in college, didn't drop last year at all. He shot below forty percent the entire season. Uh, KCP could be a spot. Could be, could be a spot. He's a he could be a better spot up shooter. Josh Hart. He's not known as a spot up shooter, but he does a little bit of everything. Uh, it's a, it's the three point shooting, and I I don't know if I trust the combination of Javale McGee and Ibiza Zubox in the middle all season, even on the game the game and his position positionless basketball. You'll see a lot of times you see LeBron or Kuzma at the five, and you'll see the line, the death lineup of Lonzo Hart or KCP. Ingram, Kuzma, and LeBron. You'll see that lineup a lot during the season. But the size thing, that bothers me a little bit because sometimes you might go up against your Carter Faith Towns, your Anthony, your Anthony Davises in the world. You go against those guys, you might not have anybody to kind of defend defend them on that end. And also about egos, like you said, we got these veteran players. You got Rondo, you got Stevenson, Beasley. Will these guys sacrifice playing Beasley, time that was the guy, other guy I forgot. <laughs> and uh, another just weirdo love, to sign. I love Michael Beasley. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere he went, he he'll put he'll put in buckets. Anywhere, anywhere he went, it didn't matter. He's he's no he's a no offensive guy. But will these guys like sacrifice playing time and and put the Eagles to the side? Because like I said, I talked about Denver's Denver's a top three team. I think I think the Lakers are probably the second deepest team in the league. I think Boston is the deepest through the entire league. But you got to see what these rotations are going to look like. One day, Stevenson may tweet, play 20 minutes. The next time, he might he might play five. You know, like the the lineups that finishes the games, they'll, they'll look they'll look kind of they'll look kind of funny at times. 
Rondo might finish the game, Lonzo might finish the game the next night. You know, it's rough. And then you got Mo Wagner and Max Sabi. It, like, it, like it's a, like it, I know honestly they may struggle a bit to start the season, but they can't struggle too much because it's harder to make them ground in the West than it is the East. Yeah, I I think that they're like I said, I believe they make the playoffs. I don't have any doubt about that. It's just another team that I think there's been so much turnover there that it may just take them a little time to to figure things out. Have you watched them in the preseason? A little bit. I've I only saw a little bit of one Lakers game though. Okay, I, I think I've I watched two of the games that have come on TV, but but they're moving the ball really well. Like you, they're passing a little bit too much. Like the whole <laughs> team has been playing unselfishly. I don't know if you caught uh, Lance Stevenson's little shimmy. I don't I know didn't. if you caught that clip. <laughs> okay, I got to send it to you. But yeah, like, they've been, like, playing a little bit too unselfishly. And they all seem to get along. You know, Rondo's played very well. And, um, like I said, I'm worried about the whole center position. Brandon Ingram, he looks great, by the way. Everybody keeps talking about they don't have that second all-star. I think possibly Ingram may be that second all-star this season. If not, only all-star team who have all-star numbers, probably. Because I, I remember when LeBron first signed with L.A., we talked about on the main show about I talked about the I don't think the gap between Simmons and Ingram was that much. It's the, the fact that Simmons was the more freak of nature over Ingram because Ingram was so much so much smaller than Ben Simmons was. What was the last thing you said? I, about comparing Ingram and Simmons, I don't think I didn't think the drop off was so was that much. Because I think Ingram was better offensively. It's just the fact that Simmons was the more freak of nature athlete than Brandon Ingram was, which is what kind of would different made them made them a bit different. Yeah. So like the the thing that that happened with Ben is he obviously is a non shooter and Ingram can shoot. Um, but Ben ended up being a lot better around the basket right away than I expected, and a way better defender than I expected right out of the gate. Like he was almost on the all defense team year one. Um, but Ingram definitely like is a better shooter and that's just a huge skill in today's NBA to be able to actually stand at the three point line and people have to actually worry about you shooting it. Um, so like we'll get to our predictions for conference champions and the champion at the end of this. Now we're going to go through some individual awards so we'll start with MVP. Who do you think is the MVP and who do you think is like the top three? Let's just say top three vote I getters. Think, well, you, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad we talk, we're talking about this. Just me and you. Do you understand the whole MVP thing? I have a, I have an understanding of it, but a lot, a lot of people don't. You mean like, of how, like why somebody is voted MVP? Yes. I mean, I know I know different people view it different ways, and I think a lot of times, I think the the way it typically should be done is like the guy who is most valuable to his team, and it should be a winning team. Um, so, I, I mean, I think what ultimately happens is a narrative forms throughout the year, and the writers just kind of go with the narrative of like, oh, this is just the guy this year. Um, but like my view on it is it should be the guy who's just the most important player to his team that is a winning team. Yeah, because when I hear people debate about it on ESPN and stuff, I get angry, angry because I'm like, you guys really don't understand how it goes. I'm not saying I'm right, but I have arguments to prove that mm-hmm. I have a point. So I, no matter what, you know who – the top players in the league are. You know, the best player is always going to be LeBron James, Jordan, Kobe, Shaq, etc. You so you expect nothing from those guys. But when it comes to the MVP voting, it's all sometimes when it's not one of those guys, it's usually a guy that team actually has an improvement throughout that the net, like the following season. Like you never or you never saw it coming, or his team like takes the next step up. For example, I have plenty of examples like when Barkley went went to Phoenix. Number one seed, no, nobody really expected expected that out of Barkley, you know, and he won MVP. I got uh, the one time that I disagree, there's a couple times, but the one time I specifically disagree was when Tim Duncan got in 0-2 over Jason Kidd. 
But the Spurs won more games, but Kidd had that 22-game turnaround with the Nets. Yeah. And for and, uh, another one, uh, Shaq complains about this all the time, about his first year in Miami, he didn't get MVP. But Steve Nash got it. But the thing was, Miami was 42-40 and 40 in the 2003-2004 season. And the next year they went 59 and 23 with Shaq. Phoenix was 28 and 54, and they went to 62 and 20 out of nowhere. Nobody saw it coming. That's the year in 2003. The Suns they traded Steve Nash and Penny Hardaway to the Knicks, to put, basically to dump those guys. I believe they got back in Tony McDice, um, Charlie Ward, and a bunch of expiring contracts. Yeah. So they signed Steve Nash that summer. And they signed Quentin Richardson that summer as well. And they started shooting 31-4. Nobody saw it coming. And Nash got the MVP over Shaq because of that. The following season, Nash got it again over Kobe because Kobe, Kobe had that 35 points per game season. And Nash went 54-20 and went out of Mari Stoudemire. So that, you kind of see where I'm going here. It's like if it comes out of nowhere, you'll get it. Even Steph Curry's unanimous season, the MVP. Nobody expected that out of Steph Curry in the Warriors. Yeah, I think that, like, those instances, I think, is when it becomes, like, the story of the league. Like, when Iverson won it, the Sixers started off the season 10-0, I believe. And it was like, Mm -hmm. that was his MVP from that point on because they were the story. Uh, Like, James Harden last year was the story because Houston finished the season better than with a better record than Golden State. The year before, it was Russell Westbrook because of the triple-double thing. Like, that was the story. Yeah, you couldn't overlook that, that, that Russell Westbrook thing, even though I think James Fire should have got it there. But you can't overlook that. But And, and then, like, when nothing special happens, you'll get your LeBrons, get it. Your LeBron will get your Jordans, get it. When nobody really steps up, you know. Yeah, like, it's not necessarily an award for who was the best player in the league this year. It's It's usually, like, yeah, who was the biggest story or who was, like, who was the guy who was just super valuable to his team? So, like, who do you think is the MVP this year? Uh, I have LeBron winning the MVP because of the Lakers' turnaround that they will have. I think the Lakers will win at least 52 games. And then my follow-up, I have Kevin Durant. One, because he'll be on the best team in the league, how efficient, how efficient he is, 20, 20, 25, 27 points a game, just close to 50% shooting. He's already on 80% at the free line just for efficiency himself. He'll be in. He'll be in the top. And third, that's rough because I don't have the, the Pelicans in the playoffs. So I, I would say Anthony Davis, but I don't have them in the playoffs. So they're he wouldn't really qualify for it. Um. So for me, I have LeBron also. Um. And I think, like LeBron hasn't gotten it in a few years, and I think now he's on this new team in a new conference and a team that's not really looked at as a title contender. And I think, yeah, if they win 50 games this year, he's getting the MVP. I think writers are already, like, ready to vote for him for MVP this year because he hasn't gotten it in a few years. Um, My number two, I have Kawhi because I think there's a chance Toronto still ends up with the best record in the East. I believe you picked them with the number one record in the East. And I think if they end up the best team in their conference, I think Kawhi just that becomes like a big narrative for him to get him put into the MVP conversation. I have Anthony Davis as my number three because of, I think they're going to make the playoffs, but I'm going to change it just because I know you'll want to hear me say this name. Number three of the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Antetokounmpo. (laughs) Um, There you go. So those are my three, but I'll, I'll also put the little asterisk and say Anthony Davis as well could be in those three. See, I want to vote for Giannis so bad, but that team underachieves all the time. Like, I remember last season when they traded for Eric Bledsoe. I was like, okay, this is it. Because I, I loved Eric Bledsoe when he when he was with the Clippers. I thought he was great. And he was in Phoenix. I was a big fan of him. But, like you so, said, some, something's wrong with Milwaukee. They always seem to underachieve. And there's no Jabari Parker there this year. He's, even though he's, he was hardly there to begin with anyway. I, I don't see much record-wise out of them to get that. For Giannis to get that MVP, yeah, um, and that and that's kind but of he will average like. 27. Oh yeah, he's going to put up great numbers. He's going to be one of the five yeah. best guys in the league, and I think he's going to be in the conversation. But I don't know if that team ends up good enough where he's legitimately 
in talks for possibly winning it. Um, what do you, who do you have for coach of the year? I had Brad Stevens finally getting one. So do I. I think like there was a lot of backlash last year for him not getting it. I think he just get he. I think it pretty much it's automatic that he's going to get it this year. Uh, and I don't really want to talk about the Celtics or Brad Stevens too much, so we'll move on. <laughs> um, so the Malcolm Brogdon Rookie of the Year Award. <laughs> As the least deserving rookie, we're not going to pick the least deserving rookie, but that is the least deserving rookie to ever win Rookie of the Year Award. It's an embarrassment to the award. If I was a rookie, I wouldn't even want the thing after Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> won it because he should have been at best third behind Embiid and Dario. They were clearly better players than him. Um, I just gave it to Dario. Yeah, I would, I would have been cool if Dario got it. Um, but who do you have for Rookie of the Year? I have DeAndre Ayton, and then my sleeper pick is Colin Sexton. So you did mention that earlier. I, I mean, I think it's Ayton or Doncic. Ayton, I think, because he's for sure going to put up numbers. I think the bottom level numbers he's going to put up is probably like 15 and 9. I, I think he's probably even going to do more than that because he's going to get the ball a lot in Phoenix. And Doncic, I think that's just a guy that a lot of like the the basketball writing world is in love with. And I think he's played at a high level already over in Europe. Granted, the athleticism is different. It's two different leagues, but he's played at the highest level of competition of any rookie maybe ever. And I think he's more ready to contribute day one. And I think he just may be kind of like the the guy that basketball writers really like. And I think he's going to put up decent numbers as a rookie. He's going to get a lot of opportunity. But since you said Aiton, I'm going to say Doncic, even though I have Aiton ahead of Doncic. I'm going to go with Doncic. I do think Colin Sexton is a good guy for Dark Horse because that team does not have much. And somebody has to (laughs) get points. Somebody has to get assists. And he's going to get, you know, probably like a steal and a half or so a game. And he's going to have a lot of highlights. Like, you're going to see a lot of highlights of him on ESPN talking trash to his opponents or, you know, playing really aggressive defense. So I think he is a good a good guy to throw in the mix. Yeah, and um, watch out for Phoenix. I don't think they meant the playoffs, but I think they'll be really improved. They, they might, they they'll might definitely be better. They'll definitely be better than they were. And... Their GM just got fired this morning. <laughs> like, what an yeah, odd time to so fire happy. a GM. Like, you you let him – I believe they let him hire a coach. They let him sign a max free agent. They let him draft a number one overall pick. They let him <laughs> trade a future number one pick. Like, why would you let the guy do all that just to fire him right before the season starts? It doesn't make any sense. If you didn't believe in him, find somebody better to actually do the work going into this season. Um, most improved. This is kind of a tough one. Uh, like obviously Oladipo made the leap from like pretty good player to all-star. Not a lot, not often is the most improved player, something like that. Um, who do you, who do you have in the mix for most improved player? Like, like you said, it's, it's a little rough because one, you have to look about, look at kind of who's in a, in a new role, a new, in a new position to actually start. So, this might be a homer pick, but I, I had Brandon Ingram <laughs> so, because <laughs> because of being able to play with LeBron and LeBron wants to play off ball so much and and from what he can actually learn from LeBron and LeBron being there makes Brandon Ingram's life a whole lot easier. It's vice versa for LeBron as well. So I have Brandon Ingram. It's a little bit of a homer pick, but I think Brandon Ingram can be most improved player of the year. So I have. Uh, it's kind of between two guys. And so the the one guy I'm thinking is Kawhi. I don't know how much that counts because he's really just coming <laughs> back from injury. So he's not really improved. He's just improving from playing nine games to like an actual season. So if we remove him from it, I'm going to go with Jamal Murray because I think he's going to actually get recognition this year. Like he's going to go from underappreciated to like this year with them being, I think maybe a top four team in the West I think people are going to actually know about him and know how productive he is, and I think he may be the guy that gets it. Um, what about sixth man? It's always the same two mm. people. It's between always between Louis Williams and Eric Gordon. So I'll, I'll pick Louis Williams. I'm going to go away from those two, and I'm going to say somebody totally different. Well, okay. 
I'm going to say J.J. Redick. <laughs> One more pick. Because I do think he's still going to play like 30, 32 minutes a game. I think he's still going to average somewhere between 15 and 17 points a game. He's still going to shoot 43, 44% from three. And I think, honestly, that team is going to be better with him on the floor than without him. And I think that there's a chance that if he actually does come off the bench like Brett Brown has said he will, I think he has a chance to actually be sixth man of the year. And I don't want to just go with the same the same old guys, as you said. Um, <laughs> now, how about defensive player of the year? Aguilar. So he's he'll be in the mix in a tough second. Yeah, and I had Draymond at second, and I have AD at third. So I'm going with another homer pick, and I'm saying Joel Embiid. <laughs> Reason being, um, he was really pissed that he didn't get it last year. And I think if he didn't get that weird facial injury, he would have actually been in the running with Rudy Gobert for it. And then they did a poll, I think, of league executives. Oh, forgot about Rudy Gobert. Yeah. They did a poll of league executives, asked who would be defensive player of the year, and Joel Embiid didn't get a vote. And I think he's going to be highly motivated to prove all of those guys wrong. So I think he's going to be super motivated to play lockdown defense uh, inside for the Sixers. Yeah, I'll take AD. I'll put Rudy Gobert in. Yeah, I mean, Rudy, I think, is in the conversation. Anthony Davis in the conversation. Kawhi, obviously, will always be in the conversation. Um, Draymond, so this is why I don't have Durant towards the top of my MVP list, and same thing with Draymond for defensive player. I think there's, like, Golden State Warriors fatigue now, where, like, (laughs) everybody's like, oh, these guys. And I think that kind of like LeBron is not even really in the running for MVP anymore. I think that's how the Warriors are. Like, people are just like, okay, enough. Um, That's it for individual awards. Who do you have as your Eastern Conference champion? I have the Boston Celtics, unfortunately, to you. That is unfortunate. I'm ready to end this podcast right now because of that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I, I think the depth in that team is outstanding. I'm I'm little I'm I'm interested interested to see what their lineups will look like, and how they'll play, how they all play together. And like I said, it's always barring help with Kyrie. Whatever Danny Ainge does with Kyrie, I, I'm not going to doubt anything Danny Ainge does at all because he's he seems to be smarter than every GM in the league basically. So, but the depth, the the growth of Jason Tatum in the playoffs, he only he only averaged 20 points in the playoffs, but in the moments he needed to show up, he he did show up. And I love, I, I'm a big Jalen Brown fan. Kyrie's one of my favorite players in the league because it's, it's been hard for me to find a, a fire player since Kobe retired. But <laughs> Kyrie's one of them. But I think Boston, because just, just the depth, they play defense and the, the youth, they're not, they're not afraid of anybody. I think Boston takes it these. Um, so my last two picks were Homer picks. I might as well keep it going and pick the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, but in all seriousness, I do think it is going to be the Boston Celtics. But I'm, I'm on record as taking the Sixers because I can't do it. Um, and now who do you have out of the West? Is there any chance of unseating your back-to-back champions? I wish. <laughs> I, I wish. But when, when Houston lost, like, I'm not I, – I don't – I love the Melo pickup for Houston because he plays with Chris Paul. So Chris Paul can actually set Melo up and Melo might actually want to play. He's changed his whole opinion about coming off the bench. So he's actually okay with doing that now. But it's just, it's just something about, I think, losing by losing Ariza a bit because they were so improved defensively last year. And they kind of gave, gave you the blueprint on how to beat the Warriors, even though they really technically beat the Warriors. But, I wholeheartedly believe if Chris Paul played, Houston was going to the finals. But they gave the blueprint on how to beat the Warriors, and that's what the Lakers try to mimic. They all they have play Houston have playmakers. They have guys that play defense, and it kind of frustrated the Warriors a bit and took them out their own game. Because Golden State, they're a bit, they're a bit of a, they could be they could be rough, but they're more of a finesse team. So I, I do think Golden State takes it. So. I, I do agree. I think 
if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, there's a great chance that Golden State doesn't even make it to the finals last year. Um, I have a really hard time seeing anyone in the West beating them. They're just so good. They're so dangerous. They have so many weapons and, like, added even more. They have young guys that are clearly improving, like Jordan Bell. Um, I just... I, I want to see somebody else come out of the West. I just don't see how anyone does it. So I am also going with the Golden State Warriors. Um, now, oh, do, do you feel differently if Houston is the team that gets Jimmy Butler? I don't know how they work that out, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends I, I don't on what know. they give up. Yeah, I, I feel different because Jimmy Butler, he's a great defender. I'll feel better about it then, but I still would kind of pick him. Golden State. They're just such a tough matchup for anybody. Um, and who do you have winning the NBA championship? Golden State. So I have the Sixers and the Warriors in the finals. And I do think that barring health, if the Sixers get there, I do think that they could have a chance to make it interesting at the very least because I think Embiid is just such a different animal from anybody else in the league. And I think that I think having that dominant big man, I think having him defensively protecting the rim, I think having guys like Ben Simmons and Covington defending on the perimeter maybe allows them to compete a little bit. But here's my other concern. If, as I said, Boston does make it to the finals, which that's the one I don't want to predict, and that's the one I'm not going to say, they have so much depth at the wing position. They have so many guys that could switch defensively and guys that can score on offense and compete on defense. They have a veteran like Al Horford defensively. They ha- who can step out and hit a three. They have, you know, guys like Jalen Brown can guard multiple guys and can score. Jason Tatum can can switch on multiple guys and can score, can stretch the floor. I mean, they have point guards like Kyrie, who we've seen light up Steph in a finals before. Terry Rozier can score, presumably off the bench this year. I hate to say it, but I think there's a chance that Boston – could knock off the Warriors in the finals just because of the matchup. I don't think they match their level of high-end talent, but I think like the depth and versatility that they have, I think they they could actually do it. But so I don't have to go out on that limb. I'm just going to say the Golden State Warriors. I'll I'll be boring and and say the team everybody expects. Um, do you have any yeah, final uh, thoughts yeah. on this NBA season? Well, I think it, I picked Boston to go with Golden State. I, get, I don't think they will, but I think that team, Boston has the best chance of beating Golden State. I think that series will go seven games because they have the depth. They have very, they have the perfect players to match up with Golden State. Like you talked about Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum in their length. I think they'll be the best team to give Golden State the actual run for their money. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won, but I would pick Golden State. Yeah, I hate – I don't even want to think about it. Um, <laughs> so do you have – I'm not even going to ask this because there's no way to kind of think of this off off the top of your head. I was going to ask, do you see anyone making a Victor Oladipo type leap this year from like okay guy to superstar? Uh, but that's that's really hard to predict. And I personally don't have one, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, that that's a bit rough because I got to think about who's actually in a new in a new role. Really, and that's a tough spot. You know who might win most improved yeah. player this year? Nerlens Noel. Because <laughs> where is he? Oklahoma where is he? City. He's in, is he in New Orleans? Okay, see, okay. I forgot they got him. Um, yeah, they have a bunch of uh, former process Sixers. Nerlens Noel, Jeremy Grant. Uh, I think, do they have um, Timotei Luau Cabarro? They might. I forget where he went. I think, I think I think they had him last year. Process West. <laughs> Process West. <laughs> yeah, there are some guys I think they'll have higher numbers. I think I think Julius Randle 
he might have some higher numbers in New Orleans, possibly. Uh, it's it's pretty tough to do that right on the fly. Yeah, I shouldn't have even brought it up. I don't know why it popped into my head at the last second. Um, it's, it's a good it's a good it's a good question. It's just you know it's a, it's, not, it's really hard hard to think about it on the spot because you got to think about who's in a new role, who didn't who didn't have much of a great season the year prior. A little difficult, but it's a good it's a good question. You can save your answer for Wednesday night on the Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast (laughs) if you want. Um, Well, that has been our 2018-19 NBA season preview, first annual. Maybe we'll do this, (laughs) make sure we do this every year. Um, If you listen to our podcast regularly, I'm sure you will hear us discussing the NBA at some point on most podcasts. So I think it was good that we did this. Uh, Alo, any final words? Go Lakers. <laughs> uh, and for me, it oh, is – oh, go ahead. And my, and my, my poor Knicks. <laughs> yeah. My poor Knicks. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I second yeah. that. And for me, my yeah. final words are 10-9-8-76ers. Um, <laughs> so that has been the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe on iTunes. Five-star ratings and reviews. Tune in on Wednesday or tune in on Thursday to our weekly Matt Madness Wrestling Podcast for Mr. Wednesday Night Live. Can I call you Mr. Monday Night Live since that's when we're recording this? Yes, you can. All right. So for Mr. Monday Night Live, we call him Alo. <laughs> the ladies call him Balo. Aaron Lloyd. I am Ron Pashery. And, uh, well, we'll see you on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs>